Praise the Lord, eh? Praise the Lord. You know, the scriptures say that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. He's a good, good Father, isn't he? He's good. Put your hands together for the Father. Give him some praise this morning. Yes. All right. As you're seated, look to your neighbor and say, today's word is no. Today's word is no. How do you say no? <laughs> today's word is no. Do you remember, weren't you surprised when you, when you were around either a newborn baby or a newborn infant that one of the first words that came out of their mouth was, does it surprise you any longer that dads are so good at saying, uh-uh, they're gifted? Does it surprise you that your boss often says, it's no, it's just no, 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 everything's no. Hey, now you tell me, what do these images, what do these images have in common? 1958 Ford Edsel. What do they have in common? All right. The DeLorean. The fellas. Millie Vanilli. MySpace. What do they have in common? What do they have in common? We're getting there. Oh, yeah. Remember these power balance wristbands? Yeah, what do they all have in common? These are supposed to give you a lot of energy. Medically, medically proven to give you energy. Anyone got one on this morning out of curiosity? Yeah, you got a power balance on right now? Okay, you do? Okay, cool. How about this guy? What do all these images have in common? Mr. Football, Jenny Monzel Football. Okay. Oh, what is it? What is it? What do all these have in common? This season for the 49ers, 0-4, I believe. Did they play yesterday? They played today. Okay, maybe there's hope. All right, U.S. soccer team. What do they all have in common? All these images. What do all these images have in common? This year's San Francisco Giants. Just this year's. I realize they're amazing. But here we go. They started well and finished badly. It's, it's true of human beings, just downward, right? As human beings is to have, we have an infinite capacity to adjust downward, right? Right? Now, how about this team? What's going on with them right now? Huh? We had a little, little life in them last night, right? It's been 29 years. We're hoping that they're not spiraling downward. I had some Dodger fans in my house last night. We were watching the game, and I, I asked them, I said, hey, Khrushchev, is that his name? Is he? They pulled him in what inning? The fifth inning, has he won a playoff game before? And my family got really sensitive. They, they got, hey, yeah, he won a playoff game. Anyways, it was kind of fun. Uh, anyways, here's, here's the deal. We, we all are spiraling downward. And if we're all spiraling downward, then what we need to do is make certain that we're managing those important relationships in our life. If our marriage and family life has a natural default tendency to spiral downward, we need to pay attention to it. If our performance as employees has a natural tendency towards atrophy, we got to pay attention to it. Have you not noticed our health has a natural tendency to do what? Spiral? Right. And so you got to pay attention to it. Have you noticed your yard? Have you been out in your backyard lately or your side yard to look at all the weeds? It has a natural tendency, right? Leaves have a natural tendency to do what? Spiral downward. We're going to have lots of them here soon. The point is we have to pay attention to things. And one of the best words we're going to learn when it comes to paying attention to that which we spiral downward normally in is the word no. No. And Daniel, one of the most celebrated leaders of scriptural antiquity, 
it made, a made a resolve or a resolution. Here it is. When I get to the bold, you read it with me. But Daniel, resolved. he resolved. He made a decision not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. That is of Nebuchadnezzar, and the king of Babylon. And he asked the chief official... He submitted to authority. He wasn't, he wasn't rude not to defile himself in this way. And so what we want to argue today is that there's some stuff you should say no to. As a matter of fact, don't just say no, say never. There's some stuff you want to say never to. There's some stuff you want to say never to. I mean, really, if you want to have, if you want to enjoy good days and, and um, happy times and joy and peace as a follower of Jesus... There's some stuff you want to say no to, even never to. And you want to, as Melissa was talking about earlier, you kind of want to allow Jesus to change your mind about stuff. And if you do, you're going to enjoy more peace, more character, more self-control, more joy. First is this, never stop following. I use the word following because if you were, follow, if you were learning from Jesus in the first century, you had to follow him. Does anyone know why? He walked wherever he went. He was constantly walking, just like the Greek philosophers. He was a peripatetic teacher. If you wanted to learn from him, uh, this classroom is mobile. <laughs> you walk. And so you had to follow him if you wanted to learn anything from him. As a matter of fact, there's a saying. If you were invited to be one of his followers, to be a follower of this rabbi, there was a saying, and it was this. May the dust of your rabbi cover you, or may you be covered by the dust of your rabbi. And the idea is that if you're following him, his dust of serving passionately and praying constantly and loving unconditionally and giving generously and, uh, um, and sharing constantly, that dust is going to just cover you all the time. It takes following. It takes self-denial. Don't ever stop following. There's, there's a pretty classic example of someone in their, uh, their bicentennial years. This is a bicentenary bicentenarian. This is in Genesis when I believe that uh, there, were still, there were still filters that protected human life from ultraviolet rays, which allowed for longevity still. This is a guy who lived till 205 years. Um, so if he had a Roth IRA, he was enjoying significant compound interest. But here it is. His name was Terah. He was the father of Abram, who would be called Abraham, in Genesis chapter 11 and 12. And this is what we read. And when we get to the bold, I'd love it if you join me. But here it is. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to... So they had a trajectory. They had a map quest. They had a place they were all supposed to go to. But when they came to Haran, they... They settled there. They stopped. They stopped. They paused. They stopped following as a family. And I dug a little deeper to find out just some underlying circumstances that might have affected their stop as hard as they were. One of them is Terah was described as an idolater. That is a worshiper of a multiple of gods. He wasn't back more polytheistic. The family came from a polytheistic Background, which if you know, monotheism is really just really present in, uh, was first present in Judaism and then Christianity and then Islam in that order, really. And then in the 6th century, the Sikhs actually broke off of Hinduism and became monotheistic. Monotheism is not that, is old, but it's not that broad in religions. And so he was struggling with monotheism. He still practiced idolatry. 
And that may seem totally distant, but here's a, a, an, 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 an antiquity idol, idol was placing your trust in something else besides God. Think about it. You're placing yourself, placing your trust in something else besides God. Identifying sanctuary or peace or comfort from something else besides God. I mean, valuing something else besides God. And as I get older, I think I could easily fall into idolatry. I found myself looking at sports cars too often, right? Am I the only one? Okay, there's, there's one other. Thank you. Thank you, Dwayne. We're together. Uh, yeah, or I find myself dreaming about Lake Tahoe more often than I should, right? Got to go up there recently. That was awesome. Can't wait to go back. Uh, I find myself sometimes looking for comfort in things that I shouldn't, right? That's an idol. <laughs> it's not that there's, there's everything, every good and perfect gift that God created is good and to be enjoyed, but it's God's first, not the, the, the creation. And so idolatry can be, can be entangling. You can get too fixated on something where it's like a God in your life. Sports can be that way, can they not? Fitness can be that way. Work can be that way. And so he was struggling to put God first. The second thing he went through was a very, very difficult loss. He lost a son before he died. So he lost his son, Haran, died while he was a, a father. A father lost his son. Oh, I mean, you can't even speak to that. It's so difficult to go through something like that. But when we have hurt, when we have loss, it's sometimes hard to just know when you keep going, how to keep going. It takes a year, they say, before you should even make any big decisions. And so for some reason, he was, he was stuck. I don't know why, but he stopped following And I just want to encourage you, never stop following because Jesus is always he who began a good work and you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. The biggest hope is that Jesus is working on you. Turn to your neighbor who doesn't believe that and say, hey, he's working on me. There's hope in me. (laughs) There's hope. He's always at work in you. He's always at work in you. And he he will allow bad circumstances to actually transform into good in your life. He will. He'll take the bad and turn it into good. What man means, what man might intend for evil, he will turn into good. Genesis chapter 50. Every, every, everything, will, he'll work together for the good in your life. So just keep following. His desire in your life is that you have peace and joy and more and more character, independent of all your circumstances, so that you get to the place where you can say, hey, uh, you know, I've learned to be content when I've got a lot and when I don't have a lot, because what I really need is Jesus right here. That's enough. That's my party. Keep following. Secondly, never stop making bold moves. Don't back away from courage. Now, one of my staff members was really honest. He said, hey, I've had some bold moves. I've made bold moves with this before, my mouth, that I regret. We're not talking about those bold moves, <laughs> speaking when you shouldn't speak and getting yourself in trouble. But we're talking like, like Peter did. Peter's the example here of a bold, bold move. You know, Peter gets in a lot of trouble for putting his foot in his mouth all the time. I can relate to that. I'm a lot like Peter. Some of my mentors have actually likened me to Peter, which was true. But uh, Peter is not to be um, in any way criticized for his lack of boldness, his lack of courage. On one occasion, at night, when his, he and his fellow followers, they saw Jesus walking on the Sea of Galilee. He was walking on water. They saw him. They thought he looked like a ghost, illuminated in some way. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you... 
tell me to come to you on the water. I mean, the guy's bold. He would surf Mavericks at, 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 uh, in January. He wanted to experience this. He was courageous. Jesus said, come. Let me just pause there. If you're willing to make a bold move towards Jesus, he'll welcome you. He'll say, come. He, he likes that. And then Peter got down off the boat, and he walked on water and came towards Jesus. Now, I want to introduce you to a couple ladies this morning that I think, that I think honestly, are a couple of the biggest wins of planting a church here in Natomas. If I look back and say, hey, what were a couple of your wins? They're the two ladies I'm going to introduce you today. The first is Sarah Allen. Come on up here. Welcome her, would you? This gal's amazing. This, this gal's amazing. And I'm not going to brag about all the details in her life because I think that can get a little, a little fleshly. But uh, she's an amazing young lady that after graduating from Inter- Intercom High School, she made a bold move. She said no to going to... Serving at Sunlight Ministries and being a second years old and at their school. So, hi, I'm Sarah Allen again, and I'm 19 years old, and so that's me with my class in Haiti. And so this last school year, I was able to teach 28 second graders and fall in love with them, and it was really an amazing, challenging, and totally worthwhile experience that I never regret saying yes to. Today, I wanted to share one of my favorite moments, teaching second grade. And so every morning, we have a warm-up that the kids come into. And on this particular day, the warm-up was, why do you love Jesus? Write at least four sentences. Because in second grade, four sentences is kind of a lot. (laughs) And so they came in, and one of the students, Ketsia, immediately, she was like, Miss Sarah, I want to fill my whole page. And then the whole class was like, yeah, me too. Yeah, four sentences is not enough. And then they were all so quiet and focused, and I just heard their pencils writing, which is like a real blessing in a classroom full of eight-year-olds. And it was just a super sweet moment just to see how all these kids couldn't say enough about their love for Christ. And, you know, they're coming from hard backgrounds and difficult lives. And one of my students that I want to share specifically about today, named Ketsia, is a sweetheart. And that's her. She's so cute. And so um, her family is amazing. And they're in difficult circumstances. They're very poor. And um, when I went to her house, It was just, I didn't go in their personal rooms, but it was just like cement. There was no furniture, no running water, no electricity, no nothing, except for a couple plastic chairs that they immediately offered for me to sit in, even though that left one of her family members sitting on the cement instead. And her family is amazing. They showed me nothing but love. I remember once I came to her house after school, And it was raining on the way, and a lot of the roads there are dirt, so the dirt turns to mud in the rain. And so I was at her house, and her mom had gone out in the mud in the rain to go get me some snacks and juice. And that may seem like a simple thing, like crackers and a soda, but like for this family, that was a sacrifice. That was money that they did not have the money to spend, but they chose to. And then she went in the mud, so her shoes probably got all dirty, and they don't have, like, running water to wash it real easily. She's going to have to wash those shoes by hand and wait for a sunny day for them to dry. And they're just amazing. I remember also the first time I met her father, it was a month into the school year, and one of the first things he told me was that he had been praying for me every single day. 
because I was his daughter's story teacher. And I could tell you story after story. Like, I have so many stories about the love this family showed me. And they're just so in love with God. When I come to their house, they would be worshiping to God in Creole, their language. And her parents are on a worship team at their church. And I got to see them sing before. And it was just a really amazing experience to witness. Unfortunately, her mom got really sick during the school year. And so that really affected Ketsia because it was serious. I know like a couple of the teachers at the school with medical backgrounds were concerned for her mom. And so since her family was spending all this money on like going to the hospital and paying for the medication, they didn't have any money left over to send their kids to school. So me and some teachers got some money together, and I walked it over to her house, delivered it to her parents, and we got it taken care of. But something really cool about that was, so think about the warm-up that I said at the beginning. So in that warm-up, one of the things Ketsia wrote was that God paid, her, God paid for her school. And I think that is so cool because... She saw me give the money to her parents, and she knew that was for her school, but she recognized at eight years old that, no, that was a blessing from God. That was an answered prayer. He did that for me, and I just think her heart is amazing, and so now I'm going to share the warm-up that she wrote with you all, and just keep in mind as I'm reading this that she's writing this while she's going through a really hard time. Her mom is sick, she's worried and scared, but she does not even think to blame God about that, but she trusts him and praises him. So I'll read this. I love Jesus because he raised from the dead for our sin. I love Jesus because he created all things for us. He is an amazing God. He is so powerful. He raised people up from the dead. When we follow him, he will prepare a place for us. I will pray to God because he does everything for me. He pays school for me. He is so powerful. He made way for Israel in the sea. I will sing for the thing he do for me. He teach the disciples to say things about God. He is our savior. He is a mighty God. He is patient to us. He is so, so powerful. The End by Ketsia. And I just think that's so amazing how God's working in her life. And a little update about how her family's doing now is that her mom is better and she was healed. And I just think that's really awesome and all glory to God. And but, her, but their family is still struggling financially. Like her mom didn't have a job and then her dad recently lost his job. So something that we're trying to do to help was yesterday, with $162 donated, we were able, that's enough money for her mom to start her own business on the street and have a job and work and sell things on, at the market. And so now the next step I'm trying to date, and their idea is to hire him as a security guard. And with $165 a month, um, that's like a good paying job that he could provide for his family with. So I'm, so now I'm trying to like raise money for that to get him that job um, by finding supporters here. And I also want to visit my kids soon. And yeah, it was an awesome experience. Yeah, thank you.
So parents, your, your graduate, your high school graduate says, I'm not going to go to San Luis Obispo. I'm not going to Cal Poly. I want to go to Haiti. What goes through your mind at that? It's like, what? She said, no. She said, she said no, I'm not going to Cal Poly. I'm instead going to make a bold move, and I'm going to go to Haiti. There's just some stuff we need to consider filter through our nose. What are we saying yes to? What are we saying no to? And I, I like this no. That was a great no. A lot of people benefited. They're going to continue to benefit. Sometimes uh, making a bold move is really, can really change your life. A bold move. Not, not, a, not a dumb bold move. I, I can tell you lots of those that I've made. But I mean like one where Jesus is saying, hey, come, do this. Let's do this together. You were born for this. Was she not born for this? <laughs> What's, yeah, born for this. And uh, that, when the Spirit's leading you, you're like, this is what I'm supposed to do. There's no question. And, and we talked about the series, this, in the series on The Voice, we talked about the filters of knowing the Lord's leading. There's a lot of clarity on the Lord's leading that all harmonizes together. She said no to what would have been expected, and yes, to the Lord's leading. Bold moves, they're big. I like this clip from We Bought a Zoo. It kind of challenges me to make a bold move. What happened with you and Lily? I don't know. I guess I didn't listen to something she told me or something. I mean, I liked her. It's like you embarrass yourself if you say something. You embarrass yourself if you don't. You know, sometimes all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage. Just literally 20 seconds of just embarrassing bravery. And I promise you, something great will come of it. Love that. My question is, what's your walk on water bold move? Has God's Spirit been asking you to obey in some area? We talked last month, obeying is always less fatiguing than delay. Delay is always fatiguing. Is the Spirit been saying, hey, this is your next step. What's, what's going on? Maybe it's, a, maybe it's making an extra effort to become that husband that you were born to be, or that spouse you were born to be, or that grandparent you were born to be, or that student you were born to be. Boy, what is it? Maybe, maybe yours is you've made a first-time decision, to believe in Jesus, but you've never, you've never walked on water or let us baptize you in water like Jesus was. Next week, we baptize. And baptism, we describe as that moment when, as an adult, you make a decision to identify your life with Christ's crucifixion, his burial and resurrection, and we place you underwater just like Christ was buried and raise you up in the newness of life. And we, in other words, we dunk you. Maybe, maybe that's your bold move, your risky bold move to make. And if you're interested, check off that box on your Connect card and, and turn it in at the end of service, and let's do that. Maybe there's a bold move the Spirit's been prompting you to make. You know you're making a bold move when you accept Jesus' invitation to take a step of obedience. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, according to the Scriptures. You take that step towards obedience and only God's going to be the one that's going to be able to come through. You're totally dependent upon Him. 
And as a disciple, we believe disciples are, are folks that are giving generously, they're praying constantly, they're sharing their faith regularly, they're loving unconditionally. Uh, those kind of life habits are going to take a lot of faith. What's your walk on water bold move? How do we avoid the traps of stagnation? It's by saying no. It's by saying no to never stop following. It's by saying no to never stop making bold moves. And thirdly, it's to never stop caring. We've seen some real evil in our country in the last two weeks, have we not? Evil. And I like this verse that was referenced by the pastor of Central Christian Church of Las Vegas a couple weeks ago, Judd Wildhite. He's a personal friend who says this, Do not be overcome by evil. A quote from Paul's writings. But overcome evil with... Let's read that together. Do not, become over, do not be overcome by... But overcome evil with... That's just critical for us. Overcoming evil with good. And when he was interviewed by Fox News last week, this is what he said. When the darkness seems like it's the darkest, that's when the light shines the brightest. Now, I want to invite another adventure hero, Cheyenne Ledbetter, as she comes forward right now. This gal, uh, three years ago, graduated from, graduated from William Jessup University, and she committed two years to living in Cambodia. Where are you going, Cheyenne? She committed two years to living in Cambodia and serving young people who are facing some of the most evil crimes on the planet. She didn't stay there two years. She stayed over three years. Would you welcome Cheyenne Ledbetter from East Nicholas High School? Oh. Proud of her. Oh, boy. Proud of her. All right, tell us. What's All up? Right. Well, happy Sunday, everybody. Um, I'm so happy to be here. This is really special for me because I did grow up in this church since I was 10 years old, and now I'm 24, so it's been a while. Uh, but the past three years, I was in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. I was serving with an organization called Agape International Missions, which I'm sure a lot of you have heard of. But if you haven't, what they do is they fight human trafficking in Cambodia in a myriad of different ways. One of which is through sustainable employment for survivors that are reintegrating back into society, which is what I was a part of. About four and a half years ago, God planted a little seed in my heart. And it was around the same time that a report came out that estimated that there were around 27 million people enslaved in human trafficking globally. More recent reports have come out that say it's closer to 31 million. But basically, there's millions of people enslaved in human trafficking, and it affects every part of our world, including Sacramento. So what the little seed grew into was a business called 27 Bath and Body. And the number 27 is significant uh, to show that there are still more than 27 million people that are enslaved in human trafficking. But besides that, um, besides spreading awareness, we want to fight slavery one soap bar at a time and inspire people to fight this issue in their own unique way. So this is a picture of some of the teachers. Uh, we worked out of a restoration center, which when the girls are first rescued, they come to the restoration center, and they have the opportunity to join vocational training programs, whether sewing, salon, there's lots of different uh, opportunities, and one of them is a bath and body program. So these are the two uh, trainers, amazing women of God, that I was blessed to be able to teach. And then we also work out of an employment center. So if the girls decide that they love creating soap, switch to the next picture. Um, it's kind of hard to see, but these are some of the soap molds they created. They had the creative ability, creative ability to create whatever they wanted. So there's some with crosses. That's a little girl 
Um, there's one one time that one girl legitimately just wrote cookies on the top, which I love because I love cookies. Um, but also, the employment center, if the girls decided that they loved doing this, uh, they had the opportunity when they left the restoration center to be a part of the employment program. And so it was full circle, and it was just really cool to see how God grew and watered that little seed. Um, so that's basically three years summed up in just a couple minutes. But if you have any questions, you can come see me after service, or you can go to agapewebsite.org or 27bathandbody.com. Cheyenne, I'm going to interrupt you. I didn't last Sunday, last weekend or last hour, but I've got, just for clarity, Yes. why employ girls? Why, why is this important in a, in a sentence or two? Uh, so when they first come out of the restoration center, it's really important for them to have a sustainable source of income um, in order for them to not fall back into human trafficking. Oh, and be creative is really important for them as they go forward. And this is really just a stepping stone. Um, all the girls that I worked with, I didn't want them to make soap forever, but I wanted this to help them be creative and be a stepping stone for whatever they wanted to do next. Great. Okay, so... <laughs> um, Next, I want to share a poem that I wrote. Uh, it was, I faced a lot of difficult things in Cambodia, and poetry became an outlet. This poem in particular is about the garment industry and what I've seen um, kind of as I've come back into America. And I actually wrote this poem towards myself because it's something that I struggle with. So I hope that by sharing it, um, maybe you can relate to my struggle. So here we go. Nope, just kidding. One second. Here we go. Okay. I've heard people say slavery is a thing of the past, but if I told you it was still happening today, would it leave you aghast? Oh, by the way, this is a completely rhyming poem. It's not like super intellectual, so there you go. Um, <laughs> let's put our minds together and think really fast. The cotton on your back, the shirt for $5.99 you bought off the rack. Where was it made? The fingers that sewed it, what were they paid? When did saving a couple dollars become more important than a person's life? When did materialism become so rife? How can we consciously weigh a human life against saving a few pennies? Because when we look back into other centuries, we say, if I had lived then, I would have never let this happen. But what we don't acknowledge today is that our money is a weapon. We choose what to buy and who to support. And if to this statement you retort, I know it is bad, but ethically made items are too expensive. Then let me try to be persuasive. What purpose are the things that you buy? What does materialism truly satisfy? Because when we look closely at the demand and supply, we see that from the womb, we've been taught to consume. It's a problem with our culture, because as we lurk over things like a vulture, we forget that we have more clothes and things than we could ever need. But deep inside, there's planted a seed that says, buy, buy, buy more and more. But we can no longer choose to ignore that our nearsightedness is oppressing a life. And I'm not judging, because I've been there. But now I've seen the other side. I see the factories in the poor conditions. I have friends that work six days from dawn to dusk in these positions. A meager salary they are given, barely enough to live in. They huddle in open trucks, unprotected on busy roads, just to sew shirts and pants and things by the loads. And even if you've never met my friends, you can't pretend to know that just like you, they too have dreams. But these dreams are being crushed underneath these seams. What if we are more conscientious of the way that we dress? What if our choices could empower instead of oppress? What if we chose to buy less, but in return, we are investing in more? Investing in another's life by giving them a salary that is secure. Choosing to break the cycle of poverty and oppression. Choosing empowerment and education and investing in sustainable vocation. 
In order for the practice of slave labor to be defeated, we have to change the way we look at our clothes. And that is the whole reason I've written this prose. All to say that it doesn't take a lesson of hooked-on phonics to read this situation and see that with the garment industry, it's time for a conversation. Because we can alter the world for the next generation if we stem the the flow of oppression as an operation. We can guarantee a better future for humanity and a planet with less debris. We have the ability to set the bar for the way people are treated, whether they are near or far. Because something as simple as buying an ethically made tea can set people free. So that poem is kind of just to signify that even little choices that we make each day have a great impact. Saying yes or no to certain things. And that's not meant to be a source of burden, but actually a sense of hope. In that we can start small. Um, In my instance, I don't know if you guys like clothes. I like clothes. But um, it's just choosing to buy ethically made things or where items come from. Um, But just making small choices with whatever it is can impact more than just ourselves. Thank you, Shai. Thanks. What's the average wage in uh, Cambodia? It can be anywhere from 60 to like $125. Uh, Garment factory, it's on the lower side. Uh, What, a day? Yeah. No, a month, sorry. Right. A month. A month. A month. <laughs> yeah. So we've heard uh, this morning Cheyenne said no to, she said no to law school and said yes to Cambodia for two years, committed over three. Who does that? Uh, Sarah said no to Cal Poly. We've got several alumni from Cal Poly. Here are the Mustangs, right? She said no to Cal Poly initially and said and said yes to Haiti. You know, you know the, the quantity of your no's is equal to the quality of your yes. Uh, whereas Abraham's dad said no to following all the way to Canaan, Abram said no to sticking with, staying with his family. He said, no, God's calling us to leave. He said yes to the promised land. Peter said no to fear, and he walked out on the water and said, Lord, if it's possible, can I come to you? Paul the Apostle, who was surrounded by persecution and was personally persecuted by the emperor Emperor uh, Nero, said no to fear and yes to and no to evil and said yes to goodness. He was not overcome with evil. He was being at all pers- by good. And I can't he overcame evil with good. And I can't help but tell you, if you're being at all persecuted or fate or feel like someone's uh, really trying to hurt you right now, I want to encourage you to do two things for them. If you're, if you're being hurt in a physical way, you need to report it. Okay? Um, but if you're being hurt emotionally, you need to pray for the people that are hurting you and love them unconditionally. God works when you pray for people that are hurting you. Overcome evil with good. That's what Shai did in Cambodia. What is it the Lord's asking you to say no to? I think no's, no's are important. 1955, December 1st, Rosa Parks said no. She was a Sunday school teacher. She read her Bible. She felt like, no, this is where I'm sitting. Years later, she was the first person to lie in state at the Capitol Rotunda. 30,000 people came to visit her. Saying no is important. What are you saying no to? I think sometimes we say no to the wrong things, stuff we should be saying yes to. 
We say yes to too many notifications. <laughs> we should be saying no so that our yes can be stronger. Businessmen, Warren Buffett says, the difference between successful people and really successful people is that really successful people say no to almost everything. What's Jesus telling you to say no to? You know Jesus said no himself? Never stop following. Never stop making bold moves. Never stop caring. Jesus said no. Maybe one of his followers heard him say this. Maybe it was John. Maybe you can read this with me. In hours before he would give his body over to be crucified for a substitutionary payment for all of our sins. He said this, My soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? He said no. Last few hours of his life. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. He was born for this. I'm afraid sometimes we say no to things for which we were born. For our own comfort, our own personal idolatry, our own ease. I'm proud of these young ladies and the no they said. And the, and the no that they're asking us to make. Because it's a strong, strong yes. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, help us follow. Help us never stop following. Heavenly Father, help us never stop making bold moves. Heavenly Father, help us never stop caring. If you're here today and you're like, you know what? I've been tempted to, to settle. I've stopped following. You got me. That's me. I need to start following again. If that's you, raise your hand. If you're like, yep, that's me. If you're here today and you're like, you know what? I need to, God's asking me to make some bold moves. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know the act of obedience that I've been delaying. I need to do it. That's me. I need to make a bold move. Raise your hand if that's you this morning. Okay. Is there someone here also that's saying, you know what? I need to admit it. I've just, all this, this viral culture has made me get hard-hearted and I've stopped caring. I've, I've lacked mercy. I've lacked compassion. I've become cynical. And I need to get into the lives of some people and serve them and show mercy again. If that's you, you've stopped caring. Raise your hand and you need to start caring again. Heavenly Father, I just ask that your spirit would lead us, lead us to become the people we were born to be. And if you're here today and you've never made a decision to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and you're ready to today, I challenge you right from where you're seated to just say, Jesus, come into my life. Come into me. I'm willing to let you in today and be the leader of my life. And if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to acknowledge your decision. Would you just raise your hand if that's you? If you just happen to be here and you've never made him the leader of your life, but today you want to, would you just raise your hand if that's you? Anyone here, say today, yes to Christ. Raise your hand. I want to acknowledge your decision. Lord, thank you for this morning and the freedom to say no. In Jesus' name, amen.